0: Everyone, uh, Nate Den here for another uh, Tesseract LNO fireside chat. Um, the last few episodes, we've uh, really tried to highlight different innovations throughout the field and um, how projects have come to be, and really just highlight an idea to a to an, a full project mode and getting those items started and the hurdles and the successes uh, along the way. Uh, this this chat is a little bit different as we're going to tie it into the Aether Sprint, and we have one of the teams here with us today that's going to talk about their product, which is the WMS Cover. Uh, I'm not going to deep dive too much into it. Uh, guys, uh, go ahead and introduce yourselves. Tell us about what your project is, uh, how you got into the Sprint, and some of those hurdles along the way, and then uh, we'll jump in with any questions that we have as you guys uh, speak to all I'm Sergeant Wanaka from the 495th FGS out here at Lake and Heath and in Europe
1: and this is Sergeant Hunter. Yep. Out here, team members Helping them get everything rolling. So we're we've led the F35 weapons management switch cover project. And we've we've been running with the project since this last summer and we just recently submitted it through A3Sprint. Um and we uh we just recently got back from the BYOA event down at Andrews Air Force Base. And we uh, the project has been moving along moving along pretty good. We've got a MVP printed off and we finalized what our production's gonna look like. And we're currently working with Tinker Air Force Base to print off 60 covers and get them mailed over here so we can roll into our three-month validation where we're gonna uncover whether or not this thing truly works.
0: That's awesome. So you guys have already said you started this idea mostly last summer let's start at the super beginning very basic how did how did we discover what this thing is who thought of why we need need this thing and and what does it do
1: so right here i have a throttle for an f-35 and located on top this castle switch that you see we call this the weapons management switch and uh, a large issue that we've been running into is we've been kicking the switch off when individuals get in and out of the cockpit and kicking the switch off it's slight there's a couple contributing factors to it but the bottom line comes to it's getting physically damaged Uh, and we started looking at potentially getting new switches and 3d printing switches off and then we really drilled down to the root cause of what the problem was and the problem is, is that the switch is getting hit in the first place. So we tried developing a solution that uh, addresses that core issue and prevent the physical damage in the first place. Which uh, the repair for us, it takes at, at a minimum, it takes us five hours to fix this switch when we when we kick it, because we have to wait for for glue to cure. And at the tail, at the far end of it, it's eighteen hours to repair the switch because we're we might be looking inside of a cockpit, pulling the seat out and doing. Uh, all the follow-ons that are included with that to find the FO because we're not going to fly the aircraft until we find the switch. Um, So it it hits our FHP pretty effectively. It's uh, when we kick a switch off, that aircraft is done flying for the day. That could have been a fully mission-capable aircraft that was ready to go, loaded up with bombs, ready to go drop them, uh, ready to go execute a mission. And the pilot gets into the seat, kicks the switch off on the way in, and then it's no longer good. Uh, now we step into a spare if we have one and decorating that aircraft out of the mission. So, uh, we, we, what we did was we went through and, uh, started developing a, a cover for it because we've had covers in the past, but they failed. And we started looking at the the core issues of why those co- previous attempts to, uh, fix the, fix the issue failed by these giant covers that had 21 pieces of hardware. That would fall off inside of the cockpit, create a flawed issue, and they weren't durable. And then they could be stored in the cockpit. So we tried to make something that addressed all those issues. So we made this single piece uh flexible cover that's durable. It, you can crack, crank this thing, you can give it to a crew sheet and it'll live. And uh it's small enough that it can be stored within the cockpit, and then it snaps onto the top of the throttle, similar to how a cell phone case snaps onto a phone. And With that, we're able to store it in the map case up there. So the pilot can get into the seat and get everything ready, get situated. And then when he's ready to start the aircraft up, he can pop this off, throw it into the map case where it's not going to get damaged. It's just going to stay inside of there. And then when he's done with his missions, he before getting out of the aircraft, he uh, reaches into the map case, grabs it and pops it back on. And now we're back protected and this thing can take a hit. It's going to survive. It's made out of it's 3D printed out of TPU. And so it's got a lot of elasticity to it and the durability that comes with that. And it absorbs some of the shock and it kind of dissipates it over to the body of the throttle versus letting the the switches take the brunt of the damage. Uh, The solution we worked through uh, right now, we're at 11 different MVPs that uh, we're on the 11th version of the throttle cover. After we've uh, rapidly prototyped it through all the different uh, 3D print attempts, because it's such a complex shape, getting it just right so that it has the ability to kind of snap on there uh, with the right uh, with the right amount of force both ways, putting it on and taking it off, and then uh, making it a, finding a material that was able to work for us with the environment challenges that we face, leaving the jets out in the winter and it's gonna freeze. Uh, we had some materials that once it got below 40 degrees, they were no, no longer flexible. So if you let the cover on and then put the aircraft out in the snow, uh, now all of a sudden you can't get the cover off from the throttle. Uh, So small issues like that that we worked through. And then some design changes and uh, finding the manufacturers that can actually support uh, the, the resolution demands that we needed for such a complex and low tolerance cover. We tested this one down to about 30 degrees below zero Fahrenheit. And uh it maintained its flexibility. It's been tested up to probably around only about hundred degrees right now. Yeah. And um it's it'll go down it, well to 150 and, and keep its shape. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a great product. In its uh two week validation, the initial validation, it's we did not lose any switches. And uh that was a pretty, pretty good thing, especially when we were seeing an average of two per month. Yeah. prior to that so we didn't lose any and then the following week after that went right back into losing switches again and it's been a trend so we're hoping to eliminate that whole issue yeah and to kind of speak to the number side of this i didn't really touch on it very well but uh so we kick off those at 35 program has kicked off 770 of these switches since 2016. and each one of those requiring a minimum of five hours of repair Currently on the trend for data, that's costing us over 1,000 NMC hours a year. Uh, and that's that's erring on the side of cautiousness with it. And not only is that 1,000 NMC hours a year, that's 1,000 NMC hours a year that's concentrated in our flying window, because that's when we're actually kicking the switches off, is when individuals are getting in and out of the cockpit, trying to get the ready aircraft ready for flight, whether it's a maintainer doing a pre or post inspection during an aircraft turn, or it's a pilot getting into the seat to, to ready the aircraft for, excuse mission um and right now at Lincoln Heath specifically we we've had 50 instances since we got aircraft less than two years ago well I, right about two years ago yeah yeah we got we got our aircraft and we've had 50 switches kicked off since then so hopefully we're a pretty good test point for this uh with three months of testing we'll be able to quantify quantify whether or not this is an uh, impactful solution
0: yeah that sounds awesome guys and clearly you identified something that needed to be corrected in order to save time not only for you but for the weapon system itself uh my next question really is so you went from and this this really happens a lot in the innovation space you went from having this idea you identify a need you create something to solve the problem what has the journey been like at least for you uh along the way to really be heard with your project and Who's, who's been in your corner to kind of champion this idea at the higher levels to get these ideas through because you know the biggest hurdle i think that that most airmen capital a have when they have an idea to cr- try to correct something is is not that the air force doesn't want it or won't need it it's how do i get into the right offices or in the right space in order to to get this idea all the way through the wickets that it needs to do through testing i think you said you already have a pad for this item like yes. that's a lot of different stuff. So how's that journey been for you?
1: Oh man. So the the first 3 months of this project and probably the first 8 prototypes that all happened both behind closed curtains of me going home at the end of the day and opening up CAD and designing designing the cover. Um, I dumped I dumped about 200 hours into it uh, myself before I let the thing see the light of day. But then once I did, um, I, I so I exposed it to our former uh, innovation cell that we had here, uh, Liberty Works, and because I had a close relationship with the individuals there, they they saw the um, they saw it and saw the potential that it had. And Shafan, there, our wing process manager. He immediately threw it into the USAFE ITC, uh, which is the Innovation Transformation Council which is where they essentially, every base gets to pick a project that they're working on and uh, highlight that to the USAP deputy commander. And uh, so the first, I was playing catch up from the very beginning of getting getting this thing in front of people before we even really had like proof that it works. Uh, the concept was there and like, we physically had some prototypes, but we're uh, I in July, I had a uh, I had this thing set. I had a quad chart built with the ITC with a wing process manager, uh, and we presented it to Major General Lamontang, uh from USAFE, Deputy Commander, and that went well. Uh, got uh, tons of support from him. Um, everyone loves seeing stuff 3D printed to fix our problems that that typically would would be not not achievable because we'd have to build up a whole production line with molds. And inject and mold it otherwise uh but uh it started there shortly after it got accepted into the appworks refinery where uh the project really started to pick up some steam and started moving through some of the other prototypes and building up a project management path for it and uh kind of seeing what the future looked like and building out like that's where we kind of discovered what validation looks like for us and it's also where we started working with some of our partners like Tinker. Uh, we got the chance to go visit them because of the AppWorks refinery. Um, they, they Part of our TDY, we went out to the Tinker uh, and saw all their equipment, got to speak with Jason Mann, who was uh, part of the React team, who has the capability to make this cover in its current state. Because um, we were running into a lot of issues that uh, we ran into locally printing the item off, the, the hardware that we have here. Uh, we have just consumer-grade uh, recreational 3D printers. They they work, and they'll get your prototypes out there, but for a commercial, industrial-scale application, they weren't exactly consistent, and they were eating up a lot of man hours with failed prints and just uh, prints that had voids in them, prints that just weren't the right shape. They had these defects that were making the quality start to suffer. Um, but with him, we were able to partner and get something actually professionally printed. These SLS printers, this thing is exactly what it looks like. It's it, the, the layer size on these things is insane. It's the equivalent of uh, resin 3D printers, which we we had some issues with. The materials that getting, calling back to the the materials freezing, everything that we printed off in a resin would freeze when it got to too low of a temperature. But uh, anyways, back to the support and getting in front of uh, headquarters people. That's uh, the refinery really helped with that because they also brought us to the Pentagon after kind of meeting us with uh, uh, our our tinker. They, they got us to the Pentagon and they got us to the F-35 joint p and we were able to talk to a lot of our partners are uh, at the JPO to uh, and throughout the fleet and kind of get this thing socialized in front of them and say, hey, look at what we have going on here. And I picked up a couple POCs of people that are interested in tracking the project. And then at the pentagon we were able to get this in front of our half a four and present present to them and got got the idea socialized with them and but the thing is is we haven't really been needing to ask for a lot of money right because it's such a cheap project to get through so that's we we're coming in there asking more for give us give us some champion this thing getting into the jsf program hook us up with the right people that we need to talk to to get this thing implemented and sustained once we test it out and prove that it works. Um, and so that's been, once we got out of the JPO uh, meeting, the Joint p the the uh, Chief Master Sergeant uh, McRoberts, he met up with us. He's actually from USAFE headquarters and we met in states. And then uh, he invited us out to the F-35 use European User Group Working Group where in October, we went up to Leewarden in the Netherlands and we presented the same thing there. And that's where we finally like kind of struck the program sustainment side of it. Uh, we we met the right people in the room. It was uh, as soon as we started talking, we got into the uh, we got into the F35s uh, they call it the Omo organizational maintenance optimization team. Uh, and we, we got this thing submitted into there through senior master sergeant Buell and his team, he was senior master sergeant Buell was at the, uh, at 35 user group working group. And he's essentially, uh, brought us in and said, Hey, this thing, we can make your project integrate into, uh, the 35 program, uh, email me and I'll send you all the contacts. Um, and we, we worked out the meetings, we got into their triage group and we started going through, and we're currently going through that process still. Uh, we've been through the initial meetings and right now we are pending approval. They're in their data acquisition phase where they're gonna quantify our problem and look at the solution and balance the ROI, build a business case for uh, getting this thing into the program and then approve it, or not approve it, retire, or they say. Um, and then, We also got into the Aether Sprint in November. Uh, And through the Aether Sprint, we were able to kind of get this thing even more credibility, maintain that socialization of uh, this happening and uh, kind of roadmap what our phase four and our phase five really look like, because we've had like phase three and kind of figured out a lot, but phase four and phase five, uh we're kind of blurry on the details but aether sprint bought us out to andrews air force base and got us into uh the byoa build your own adventure where we're able to to kind of look at the foresight on on where the project's going and depending on the results of uh the aether sprint we may be able to get this thing out to loa and get it in front of some more stakeholders in march but right now we're semi-finalists uh so we're one of seven and three of seven
0: will wind up going to lower. Yeah, that's that's awesome. What has the journey been like personally for you? How, much, how many times have you guys had to shift, refocus, tell yourself the effort is worth it. I, if I just keep this thing through, I know it's good. I, I know this will benefit the Air Force. It's still worth my time to put into this.
1: One second. Our motion sensor is, uh, doesn't think we're in here anymore. Yeah. All right. Air force saving energy. So at the very beginning, uh, I had that huge rush of excitement with like getting getting in front of a problem. And like you just have that creative spur of energy where you have like this bottomless pit that you can dig into. You're super motivated to get the project. Uh, go in there in a the cat and create stuff, and and the dopamine rush is there, and that's all you really need. Um, as it went on, the uh, the initial initially getting it passed was really was really tough because it was uh, and honestly, without any champions, it would have been impossible. But I think just getting the project out there to stakeholders and being able to get it up to a commander's level in such a way and presenting it in such a way and knowing how to present it and uh, selling it, balancing the ROI and building that business case for a commander and like talking about what's important to him, uh, his NMC hours and his sorties, uh, and just knowing how to speak to the project and say why it's worth investing into. Uh, What that did is it came from something that, if I would have socialized this anywhere within my unit, it would have been like, cool, good idea. I don't know how to help you. And that would have been the extent of it. Like it would have went nowhere. Um, but because of the thing, and also, uh, if I would have walked up to my production super without any stakeholder backing in this, without any champions, and asked him to install this in the aircraft, so we ran a test of locally printed covers for two weeks in eighteen of our aircraft, and during that two weeks, we had zero incidents. We had we had zero damaged switches. And then, for context, the week after, we had four damaged switches. The uh, the first three days that we weren't running with these covers, we we kicked off four switches. Um, so, but we never would have gotten that out of the commander. Uh, well, out of the production super, if we had not built like known how to how to sell our uh, product to the stakeholders and essentially had that backing up of the champions, be able to say like, yeah, this is something we're willing to buy the risk off on, um, and then. Uh, motivation to keep going like when things sucked it's the fact that we're dealing with a problem on a weekly basis uh uh, we every every week we come in here If it's if we go a week without kicking a switch off it's just good graces uh i've got guys that i'm constantly assigning hey go grab the boroscope you're sticking it in the seat and you're going to be looking for this switch because kicked another one off like uh so that that's that's been a lot of motivation to help keep going. And then the uh just a different thing to do, the, just the the different aspect of the job. Like this is unknown territory uh to work into. So going out to these events like the refinery and getting involved with that and then ether sprint, uh going on TDYs to go present the project um to stakeholders is definitely another motivating thing to say, okay, uh like. You, you get your time allotted to actually work on something. Uh, and it's not this third project that you got to deal with when you go home. Those 200 hours that I initially spent at the very beginning, uh, I no longer have to do that as much, <laughs> say as much, we're still doing it. But, uh, but no, uh, just fixing the problem is really what it comes down to as the main motivation, not having to deal with this thing again and immortalizing the idea within the JSF program.
0: I love it. Uh, As we wrap up here, guys, I always like to ask uh, if you could go back to the first week or first day when this idea or problem came to your mind and you just started and you got to go back and tell yourself something before you started this journey, what would it be? Hmm.
1: Um. Uh, the first thing that came to mind was, uh resin's not gonna work.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I spent a lot of time trying to make resin work, and this resin wasn't gonna work. Uh, so sometimes it's just good. Uh, I cut my losses before we' were stuck too much time into it, but it got it got kind of where it needed to go, but there's a lot of issues that. And yeah, the material choice, knowing exactly what needed, what it needs to be printed out of would be nice to know right from the get-go. Then aside from that, other than uh, giving myself all the hints for the design considerations that I need to, I figured out on the tents prototype. uh, (laughs) That'd be, that'd have been some good information to get, but. Uh, I mean, really what it comes down to is just, it's going to work. If I can say anything, I guess, too, it's going to work. Just keep going. Keep trying.
0: I love it. Yeah. Uh, Team, I don't know if you guys wanted to jump in with uh, questions on your side. Uh, Guys, that's that's an awesome uh, product, you know. just sitting here, I know uh, Barry and I. We used to spend a lot of time together at AMUs, different AMUs at Lake and Heath. Uh, so even as supply people, like anytime we see guys on the line championing and getting stuff done to make it easier, uh, not just for yourselves, but even your supply reps within your squadron. It's like it makes our uh, supply hearts just flutter a little bit, um, and and I just think it just. This idea of getting to do this with Tesseract and meet new people and meet people like you that, uh, that see these problems and just have the the wherewithal to be able to persevere and push through the different, the different wickets and the different hurdles and the stuff that you just, you, you don't, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And you going through 10, 11, 12 prototypes. Um, but just being able to go into the office and like you said, you, you know, you're, you're dedicating guys and girls to grab a Borescope just to continually go do this. Um, I just I just love that, you know, you have you have that with you to be like, this is this is still worth it. Like this will this'll this will give something better, not only to aircraft, but to people. And uh that's why I love being able to do this. So I, to me that's a that's a thanks to you guys for identifying this thing and and not stopping. Appreciate it. So you guys got the sprint coming up when's uh so when's that when's your next presentation uh obviously you want to get this thing as as high up as you as you can but uh what does it mean to you to be able to be selected so far as a semi-finalist and um what, what is your next hope for this project
1: i think our our next hope our hope is that our validation so right now we're currently waiting on the shipment of these we're in the final stages we've hit a major manufacturing These were supposed to begin manufacturing in October. Uh, however, we just got our first one printed off in December. Um, approved it, green lit it. Luckily the first draft of the production SLS printing was good. And we were able to approve the material for use and then get them to green light printing off 60 of them. Uh, once that happens and we have those covers, um, I, we begin our three-month validation. We're planning the end of January for that. January 31st is what we're looking at. Um, and from there, we once we validate uh, whether or not it works. Uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, it works. Hopefully, eleven prototypes got us to a working MVP that that actually quantifiably affects the affects the problem. And because it's not just like a physical product thing, it, there's also the people side of it. I'm asking the pilot to put this on. And part of that is I'm asking him to do it. And, and I have to make it as least painful as pro- as possible and streamline the process as much as I can to make it to where he'll actually put this thing on to get out of the aircraft. So there, it's not only just creating a good product but uh, or product that does the job, but the product that's actually going to realistically get implemented uh and we know we know how guys work on on the flight line you throw you throw anything difficult in the way and it's it's inevitably it's going to show uh but hopefully we've we've addressed a lot of those concerns with the two-week validation we did get a lot of feedback from air crew and maintenance personnel alike we made some last tweaks to it that brought us from version 10 to version 11 and then version 12. uh and then but with our, once our validation, we start seeing some numbers back from it. Our next step that we're really looking to get at is uh, the data acquisition, getting out of the data acquisition phase with the Omo team and getting back to have our our second meeting with them. And we're anywhere between three months and nine months, that meeting is gonna come up. It just depends on where they triage us within their team to, to address this project. Um, and but that timing links up pretty good because that should be the end of our validation. We'll be able to say whether or not this works. And then if this doesn't work, we'll figure out why. And we'll address the why, attack that uh, why, and then reevaluate the the product and see, see, if, uh, see if we fix it. Just we're kind of in that cycle right now of implementation. See if it works. We'll, did it work? No. Why not? All right, fix it. Go back in. See if it works. <laughs> So, uh, hopefully, hopefully we get a, a pretty good pass through on this first one. Though I think we have pretty good reason to suspect that it's gonna it's gonna do the job. Um, then once once we get there, is uh, if we can work with Lockheed because uh, we have the IP protection of this with the Air Force. Uh, it is Air Force property to cover working with Lockheed to have Lockheed license this from the Air Force or purchase this from the Air Force to be able to integrate into the JSF program and uh, sustain it for the Air Force. And then hopefully uh, that's what we're really looking at once we once these things finally ship to other units from Lockheed themselves, that's that's when I can finally put a fork in it and and walk away. But uh, as far as the ether spread goes, um, getting it out to LOA—that's more socialization and more more channels that can help us get this thing fixed. Because it, it's a different COA essentially. Because we, if we don't get the Lockheed support on this, um, our first COA, we we're going to be—I don't want to be stuck nowhere. Uh, we need we need to have some sort of sustainment for this because the Air Force wants this. Hands down, the Air Force wants this or some version of it. They want the version of this that works. And once we can prove that the version of this that works is out there, if Walkie doesn't buy off on it because the JPO is a difficult monster to to rattle with, it's there's a lot of different people that got to say yes to to get something across the finish line there. But our COA-2 is getting this thing fielded through the uh, in the supply system in the Air Force, getting it in NSN, an and giving all of our Air Force partners the ability to just punch this thing into our legacy part uh, supply system and then get these delivered to their base and then implement them themselves in the ways that we've done it here. Uh, So that's really our plan forward.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic guys. Well, I wish you uh, the best of luck. Um, I know you're super busy over there. I remember what it was like at Lincoln Heath. So thank you for for taking the time out of your day to sit down with us for a little bit and explain your product. And uh, again, just best of luck. And and I can't wait to see this thing through. Awesome.
1: Thanks, Nate. Thanks, you guys. Appreciate it. Uh, Chris, Caleb, you guys on the line too. Thank you all. Um, Emil, as always, appreciate you guys. And once this is done, I I assume it's going to be on to the next project because you guys are killing it. I'm already picking one up right now. (laughs) Yeah. The one thing I do love about this is like what you guys were saying, the motivator is essentially you guys are just making a difference. And at the bottom of it, that's the biggest motivator. And I think more people need to hear that versus, hey, your reward is a coffee cup. You're not even concerned about that. You're concerned about making a difference. I think that's the big deal.